As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the TIFO Football Podcast. I'm Joe Devine and I'm now joined by Seb Stafford-Bloor. Hello, Joe. Hello. JJ Bull the Bullard. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um, lots to talk about today. Quick few notes at the beginning before we start. If you're watching us on YouTube today, you'll notice that you're not actually watching us, and that is because of a technical malfunction. We are here, you can hear us, but you can't see us. For the benefit of the listener, Joe is still looking at the camera as though it's on. <laughs> yes, I don't know why I'm doing that, but I am doing it as I speak now. Um, anyway, there's that out of the way. Things we discuss on today's podcast. Chelsea. Newcastle, uh, Manchester United and Tottenham, we do that. Everton flirting with relegation, we talk about them, of course. Arsenal having another good uh, another good game, having a great end of the season. P- the fallout at PSG after they lost to Real Madrid in the uh, the Champions League and looking forward to the Champions League in uh, Tuesday and Wednesday as well. First 20 minutes is not hugely football-y. If you can't be bothered hearing about stuff like that, then do just skip forward. Good chat, though. Good chat. Yeah, good but chat. Uh, otherwise, you know, everybody. I enjoyed it. Me too. Not for everyone. No. It's fine. Um, and other than that, what else is fine? The Athletic, like a fine wine or cheese that just gets better with time. The first bit of time is a free... That's a 30-day free time by visiting theathletic.com forward slash TIFO, theathletic.com forward slash TIFO. Get The Athletic now. Get it. Get it. Get it now. But for now, I will leave you in the warm hands and the cool embrace of a rushed intro because we did it for the eighth time. Begin talking about uh, Chelsea one nil Newcastle. A lovely goal from Kai Havertz there. Uh, of course, Newcastle should have had a penalty as well. I think it's fair to say, um, but a narrow win uh, from Chelsea. Of course, no one was really paying attention to the actual football, though. Uh, I think you know the main reason that I was keen to tune in was just to see what the, I guess the live reaction would be to um, last week's news of the sanctions, Seb. Yeah, there, there sure was some strange coverage. Um, now I've got kind of conflicting reports because people at the game said that. Some of the things that were reflected on television and which have been reported in the press as of Monday, yeah, not fair depictions of activity outside the ground, but there were a few talking heads saying weird things. And there's one guy saying that something about how, you know, oh, you know, a lot of sympathy for 
Ukrainian people, but on the other hand, I can't take my grandchildren to football matches or something. It was bizarre. He didn't seem to mm. really get the idea of One suffering. of those things does feel more important than the other. Just a little bit. And obviously, um, one of the things that caught everybody's attention was there was a Saudi Arabian flag in the Newcastle end, which uh, drew the response, I guess you would um, expect. Uh, so the backdrop and the context for this was odd and it felt weird watching it. It felt mm. as if we were watching the football, but the football was the thing that mattered the least during the actual football match, yeah. which is probably not how you should feel. Well, in terms of the audience as well, we, we know it's coming to an end. Uh, the Newcastle tickets were all sold before the sanctions yeah. were, were put in place. And therefore, it's one of the last games you'll see, you know, a kind of um, a full house, as it were. Well, we don't know. So the latest, and this is a fluid situation, so it's subject to change. But tickets that have already been sold, uh, people can use, obviously. Uh, season ticket holders, fine, can keep going. Now, there is some suggestion that the government will alter the license that Chelsea are operating under so that they can sell tickets, but the funds from those tickets, the revenue from them would go to charitable organisations. Okay. That's rumour at the moment. That's not fact. Mm. We'll see how that goes. But obviously... Uh, we don't know and cliche, but it's, you know, a week with this kind of situation is a very, very long time. So I was just uh, thinking they could just give them away as well, couldn't they? I mean, I don't know how that would work. Well, I don't I'm know sure how it that works would, under the sanctions no. but as, as a concept. I suppose so. But in the same way, I don't know. Are they able to give merchandise away? Probably not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the rules are, but mm. uh, we do know that the rules are changing uh, or, or are subject to change and that Chelsea are involved in negotiations with the British government about this. Well, so, let, let me ask you this. Uh, yeah. Since we spoke to Dom on Thursday or Friday, um, yeah. have there been any significant changes over the weekend already? Do we know anything else yet or is it still all going to shake out maybe this week or next week? Still a lot of chuntering. Still a lot of kind of whispers from agents talking about whether they're going to be paid bonus payments, whether players who are looking for transfers out of the club at the end of the season are going to get those. There's nothing really official. And I, I, one of the themes of this has been, and I think this is one of the reasons why uh, Thomas Tuchel found himself front and centre of some of the questioning, is the communication from the club has been very vague. Mm. Maybe there's a reason Czech for that. came out to do a, a press conference, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he did. But even that was just to say we don't know what's going to happen day to day. So it was a sort I of... I think that's true. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I, I don't for one second doubt him. I just think that for from a um, moving along the, the story perspective, doesn't yeah. do very much. And interesting to hear from someone at Chelsea, important to hear from someone beyond the manager too, yeah. because clearly. But um, in terms of developing our understanding of it, no, I'm still where I am. Well, I mean, this is it's an interesting point you raised. And of course, uh, over the weekend, there was another uh, um, yep. situation of a, of a manager being asked a question that presumably would be better put to the owners, but also I believe is very reasonably put to the manager. And I, I speak, of course, of uh, Tarek Panya, who is yep. the New York Times reporter, asked Eddie Howe after the game about um, the beheadings that had taken place in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the day before. The day before, which was a record high for the year or something. Or was it more in one day than had been for the rest of the year? 81, something yep. like that? Yep. Eddie Howe, of course, doesn't know what to say to that and said he only wanted to answer questions about the football. Um, I thought I saw an enthusiastic, let's put it that way, debate about this on Twitter. Yeah. And for what it's worth, I think both of the people that said things there are, it's pretty fair. I mean, it is uh, Tarek's job to ask yep. those questions. Uh, the idea that a journalist shouldn't seems absolutely insane to me. It's literally his job to do that. Uh, and if Eddie Howe doesn't want to answer them or doesn't know how to answer them, and let's be honest, Eddie Howe doesn't know how to answer that question, no. then he can just say what he said, and that's fine. I mean, it's, it's you know, like I'm sure 
it's not a compromise everyone will be happy with. No, well, there's a couple of points here which are worth making. The first is that, uh, well, if you don't want your head coach being asked these questions, put up somebody else to answer them. Sure. I think that would be the first thing. Yeah. Completely get that Eddie Howe is in a difficult situation. I'm not expecting him to... I, th- I think the way he responded to that question was um, entirely predictable. This is really the sure. only thing he can say. I also don't think uh, Tariq would have expected a different response, I, but he still has to ask the question. It's his job to ask the question, mm-hmm. uh, so it's very fair to ask him. Uh, also, the other point worth making is that as much sympathy as you can have for Eddie Howe being in that situation, well, um, he chose to take this job, Sure. and there was enough media coverage of the Newcastle ownership situation for him to be fully briefed on what he was walking into. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not assigning any blame. I'm not suggesting that he should suddenly have a, uh, a position. He shouldn't necessarily have to uh, go beyond football discourse in a uh-huh. football press conference. I get that completely. But you take um, the money, it's on the cards. You, you're going to get asked. You're yeah. going to get asked. You have to be very naive if you don't think it's going to come up. And not that he did complain about it, but I, you also I can't complain about, about it. it. And there's no point in other people complaining about it on his behalf. But the way, the way of, of summarising this was everyone did exactly as you'd expect them to do. Let's put mm. it that way. And, and I don't think... I don't think there should be any criticism for Jonas asking these questions. No. Um, it's can, I, job. can I also say, yeah. I think it's funny the, the people that interject on, to, on, on the behalf of defending the club or whatever. The, a frequent accusation is a, a journalist with an agenda coming in, bringing their agenda. And it should just be about football. And you think, well, it kind of was about football before, about football before a state bought a football What's club. Like, like, I, that, that it, was, it was the club. It was the owners of the club that made it not about football. And then it's, it's like saying, you know, I put a big bowl of pasta in the fridge. And I say, there's no pasta in this fridge. And then when my wife says, but there is pasta in the fridge, I go, you've got an agenda. I only want to talk about TV. Yeah. You know, when yeah. that happens. Let's only talk about the ketchup. Okay, well, enough of... Enough of the trolls. Boring. Do you know what? I, actually, I, I did. Um, I watched last night uh, the third episode of the new mini Louis Theroux series, uh, Forbidden America, where he talks to the alt-right Twitch streamers and whatever. And I, it was a total mistake to watch it. It was a complete mistake. It was late at night. And I was just arguing with him. I was imagining, you know, when you sort of see someone else having an argument and then you imagine what you would say. And then I, you know, doing that in my own house, on my own time, for no reason, also not realising that's the entire purpose is for them to get you all annoyed and for you to argue. Do it. I'm not even there, and that's I'm what, getting annoyed. That's what troll is, though. The best trolls are the ones that... And I'm thinking about it now. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's excellent trolling. If, you think, if, it, if yeah. it were to be an art form, that's what it Multi-layered is. Multi-layered trolling. It's not just slagging someone off. It's trying to provoke a reaction from someone. Do you throw yeah. the grenade and you leave? That's what it is. Yeah. You bury yourselves into your... It annoys me that, yeah. like, especially the red, uh, red top press, changes what the meaning of trolling was to being a bully. Sure, it's not. It's, uh, I mean, it's not. It doesn't mean you're a nice person doing it, but it is. It can be funny. You've done it in a nice way. So I saw, uh, I saw yesterday when after I know we're jumping back to what we were previously discussing, but after mm. Tarek Panja asked this question, a Newcastle fan said, "Yeah, it's typical Southern press, just Southern bias, Southern bias." New York Times. <laughs> right. New York Times. It is bizarre the amount that someone will go to defend their club because that's the contortion with most. I mean, the willing accept. I mean, wherever your opinions in Saudi Arabia are, or wherever that people are instantly having Saudi Arabia flags is very. It's provocative. It, it, yeah, it's you must know the context of it. You cannot be so. Well, like one of the things that, that um, one of the things that came up, and obviously this is you know a, a really good example of what battery is. Uh, you know, so w- why doesn't Ralph Rangnick get, get questioned about you know the execution rate in the United States? It's like. Because there's no sovereign wealth fund of the United States, and sure, 
the Glazer family don't. The that's Glazer quite family are, aren't connected to the you, people who are doing the execution. But this is the same. This is this is why sometimes trolling or kind of that kind of moral equivalency that that it works because it's so stupid mm. that you can't quite join the dots. And so sure. when you can't do that, you can't really argue about it. And it, and that's kind of the aim of it, I suppose. Yes. Um, but what JJ said is right. It's amazing the contortions and the twisting and the and the disingenuous takes that go on well, when. I remember. Uh, what, uh, uh, have you ever seen hypernormalization? No, it's my. It's like my favourite thing. You know this, Seb. But there's, it's an Adam Curtis uh, uh, film. It's a BBC documentary worth watching. It's like three and a half hours long. I think it's still on BBC iPlayer. But he talks about this guy. I can't remember his name. Antonin something. He, anyway, he was a he's a Russian politician. Uh, one of uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, right hand men, and uh, uh, he had a, a background in experimental theatre, and his role. Uh, was sort of in like a public propaganda, but one of the things that he uh, did and pioneered the uh, the evolution of as a as a government policy was uh, deliberate uh, misinformation. The way that he did it was, say, for example, to uh, sponsor you know a right wing protest about something, and then also sponsor the the Antifa or left wing protest, which was an anti protest to that protest. But then, crucially, he'd tell everyone that he'd done that. So everyone knew the government was sponsoring both things. And he did this over and over again to the point where no one really knew what the, anyone thought or what the government's position on anything was. And uh, it just creates this perfect kind of a confusing web of obfuscation. Yeah. Uh, yeah, obfuscation. What did you say? Obfuscation. Why can't I say the word? I don't know. I, I think I interrupt you. Yeah. I think it was no, no, that's fine. Probably, you know. uh, but I feel like that is, uh, that's kind of what uh, the internet and message boards... Twitter has become for discussion about football. This is what you, this is part of the process. When you buy a football club, mm. part of what you, you obtain is a little army of people that will mm. do this for you. And that's what the game is. And so it takes us back in a kind of perfect circle to that. I just want to talk about football. Well, it's not really about football anymore. Yeah. So. And to the people everywhere listening to this now complaining that we're not talking about football, it's not our fault, okay? Also, when it has to ever- happen. I didn't choose this. It was chosen for me. You can't, you can't like the Lord of the Rings stuff and then dislike this. You That's don't, true. you don't get it both ways. No, they you come together. You cannot, you cannot, uh, you cannot pick or choose. You have us at our, our absolutely best and our worst. And it's worth saying yeah. that even within the ranks of Mordor, there's like a political obfuscation as well. There's all those senior orcs, old social climbing, oh, no. the greasy orc pole. So, on, so on Twitter, uh, I I ran a kind of just for fun um, straw poll on. Um, who some of my followers thought would be the um, the biggest supervillain to pass the Premier League's director's test, mm. and Mordor came up a little bit. M- Mordor, yeah, my 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 chief, I, Mordor, Mordor, Mordor. Yeah, I mean they kind of say it like with an L. I don't know why, but they kind of go Mordor. Like they're from Glasgow. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mordor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even Barksdale came up <laughs> a little bit. I quite like the idea Mordor. that Mordor would buy Gondor FC. Yeah. Anyway, the press corps of Middle Earth would be very confused as as a. As we all are here. Nuke a quick word on Newcastle, JJ, uh, because they were on a winning streak, narrowly defeated in this game. Of course, as Seb said at the beginning, probably should have had a penalty. But, uh, you know, they're far from the team that they were, aren't they? They're an awful lot better. Uh, I think 
you'll mostly have heard any commentators when you've watched Newcastle games talk about how much more organised they look. They mm. look much better defence. The defensive shape seems to be much more compact. But there's is the thing, right? So it doesn't matter what system or tactics you're using. Honestly, the players are just working really, really hard. Yeah. Like, so well, they've all got these good new friends that have arrived, and now they're all <laughs> trying to play hard to impress their new friends, right? Well, I mean, like Kieran Trippier came in and was really important. Won them a couple of games of free kick goals. Uh, he's now injured. I mean, the, the back three was Lascelle, Shar, and Dan Byrne. Byrne's been absolutely excellent, so yeah. vital. Excellent. And, and the thing with, with Byrne, right? Like decent footballer. Um, he's not going to be there leading starting centre back in five years' time. Will Byrne be the kind of like Man City's Julian Lescott? Pr- probably. I mean, but yeah. Byrne brings the. Uh, so th- that's such a wise signing because he is a Newcastle fan, and I think you must get a little bit extra out of someone who's desperate to win other than someone who's a mercenary or just yeah. a career footballer mm. um, also he's just aggressive he's just he's dirty yeah. like he, he leaves bits in to players and they don't like that and even if you can't see it there will definitely be forwards like tricky wingers and dribblers and strikers mm. who don't want to play against him because he's going to kick them yeah. and he'll like grab them and do things and you, you can see it and he'll, he'll you know he gets sent off eventually and he'll give away penalties and stuff like that but decent Matt, Matt Target was really good in this game as well I mean, they're not able to play all the players that they've signed in. Chris Wood's still starting. Uh, Bruno Gamiras uh, started in this game. I don't think he's been getting into the team. First start was actually Southampton a couple right? of days before. That was his first start for Newcastle, mm. uh, Gamiras. Already looks good when he comes on. Gamiras, as, as you learned, yes. JJ. Uh, Alan Samaxman came back in, in this game as well as a substitute later on. He mm. makes a huge difference to them, wins them games on their own. So they changed the system as well for this. So they, they've been playing, a, I think it's normally like a 4 one four one or something like that playing mm-hmm. Joelinton as a centre midfielder and we've got a video about that in Tifo YRL coming out next week I think is it next week that one because his stats make him look like one of the best ball winning midfielders in the world <laughs> it's quite incredible yeah. isn't it yeah. <laughs> the Dan Burn thing is interesting I went uh, to I went to Newcastle's game with Southampton on Thursday night and Newcastle have a set piece routine from corners where Matt Target um, from the right hand side plays a big loopy ball to the back post to Dan Byrne who's like yeah. nine foot tall he's Joe Devine tall that's called Dan a Byrne. corner by the way it is indeed yeah. but, um, picking a corner in they, it's, it's the it's the move from which Bruno Gamerish scored his first goal that Gimeraes. back here you have to do it with the eyebrows Gimeraes well, no Gimeraes. only when you first say it or when you're teaching someone else to say it okay but I feel like we've got sway here if we start saying Gimeraes then maybe other people will okay fine either way and then off that goal went in two or three minutes later Newcastle win another corner and they run exactly the same corner move mm. in the routine. They did another corner. They did another corner. Yeah. Interesting because... They kicked it in from the corner again. You think like... And they nearly scored. And it was the same. Same balls, same flight, same trajectory, same knockdown from Burn in the same position. And Southampton nearly conceded again. And that's one of the reasons why he is actually quite a smart signing. Because if nothing else, and he's been excellent in, in, you know, all round, if nothing else you just use him as that kind of pivot for all of your corner routines. Mm. And just say to opposition defend, defenders... What are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because he's so tall. I think he's six seven. Yes, he is six six seven. Six, six, seven. Yeah. So um, there are very very few teams in the league who have the um, kind of the height at centre half or anywhere else on their side to to deal with that. Yeah. Um, and so that becomes an immediate attacking opportunity, regardless of how well you play in the rest of the in the rest of the pitch. So yeah. it's um. Can yeah, I make a very well. serious point? Yeah. Uh, we, if you're not watching us, we're sat round a sort of a large table, and um, Seb sat on a corner with me. And what Seb's doing right now is Seb has stretched his legs out all the way to block any of my ability to be under the table at all. And he's done it 
without sort of even noticing, I've I'm kicked sorry, his sorry. legs I'm once so and he sorry. hasn't moved. It's them. asserting dominance. Um, that is just a dominance I've, assertion, isn't I've it? I've had, really I've had. It's so like the kind that you go to a restaurant with that you sit opposite them and then they put their feet out so that you have to tuck yours in underneath your chair. And you know what they call that kind of person, Seb? I mean, is that a word we can use on the podcast? No, but it's a bad person. <laughs> they call it a bad person. I, I uh, full disclosure, I have only had about three hours sleep, and so I was kind of, I was reclining in the way that you might do on a long haul flight. Mm. You know, just doing a bit of this, you know, and, and gradually going to just rock to sleep during the podcast. Yes. Well, I'll try not as to. Are all I've had listeners. a very strong coffee, so hopefully that will kick in soon, and um, I will. Do you know there's something that I need to. Uh, tell the listeners about now is it about all the noise from the building site we appear to be on it's and not, the heating no. pipes running above us it's not it's about all the noise that we'll be making next monday yeah exciting and that Ooh. monday is monday the 21st of march oh my god that's next week that's it's next so week so it's exciting <laughs> isn't it it's exciting yeah it's next week this monday not the yes the 21st the 21st of march we will be doing a, a very exclusive, very intimate um, TIFO football quiz at the Old Red Lion Theatre Pub the in Angel Islington. finest football-watching venue in North London. It really is the mm -hmm. finest football-watching venue in, in, in all of the UK. And uh, there are tickets available. There's only 60 tickets. It's a small uh, space to make sure everyone can get a seat. And also, uh, because last time we did this, it was a bit of a nightmare trying to match single people together. It's not a singles night, gang. It is. You did make it sound a little bit like a singles well, night. Well, it was a kind of a singles night. Single meet new friends night. Uh, I'd li I like the idea, by the way. But um, uh, for this time round, we're only selling tickets in batches of four. You have to buy a table, basically. Tickets are £5 each. A table is £20. If you want to come, uh, you can do that by visiting uh, the link in the description to this podcast. We'll make sure there's a link there. Also, if you just Google the Old Red Lion Theatre Pub in Angel, um, head to their website you'll be able to find tickets on on there they will go quickly so if you're keen and you are hearing this now and it is still on tuesday when this is released then check the website and don't leave it until later because it, they will sell out quickly uh given that there are so few and there are so many weird people who want to come <laughs> what, what what happens for the uh the weird individual people no don't... you can't be an individual anymore that's it to... like I, okay, i'm but... banning anyone who doesn't have friends so right okay okay yeah, I, I didn't want to, for what it's worth. It's going to alienate a lot of our, uh, yeah. <laughs> our audience. Yeah, exactly. Because I tell you, if, if, well, no, if, if, if there we weren't four do, of us, then I would not be able to come to this I event. I think what I don't. we should do at one point <laughs> is, is the, maybe the next one we do, we should do a singles only one, yeah, yeah, yeah. where we match people up in teams. Because that's quite nice. I'd go to something like that. that and meet I'm always looking for new friends. Very strange yeah. night like that. Yeah, that would just, that's my social anxiety would spike. Big anyway, um, yeah. the money is going to go, the, 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 the profits are going to go to a charity. We haven't decided which charity yet, but it will be some kind of Ukraine relief charity. Um, uh, the money that doesn't go towards uh, the prizes. And uh, it's just yeah, it's going to be fun. It, they'll, JJ and Alex and Seb and I will all be there. There'll be a few of the other TIFO gang as well. Uncle Damien will be there. I think he's bringing a team. I think he, and he just told me he's doing that, and I guess he's not going to pay. <laughs> so I guess we can knock some of the charity money off. Thanks, <laughs> Uncle Damien. Uh, unless he's... This team stand behind the bar. Maybe they can do that. But it'll be really fun. The pub will be closed. It'll just be a TIFO-only event. We'll will have there a be great food? time. Will there be food? I, d I think they do. I think I'm they really have asking a, for me, because what if I get hungry? What if you get hungry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you can solve that. Okay. I think there is food there, yeah. And it begins, I believe, at 7 o'clock or 6.30. Try to arrive at 6.30. Uh, the quiz itself will start at 7, so you want to get in. Can you not get in earlier so they can drink more? 
Uh, I probably can, probably can. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they can. Do I think just I think just the pub like closes for only those people at six thirty. Uh, right. uh, so you come earlier if you want. Um, Should they wear some kind of identifying piece of clothing? You know, like a no. yellow or so. No, because well, a, good, a good way of identifying people. It's always worked throughout history. It's tickets. just been their name. <laughs> well, no, no, but <laughs> I just mean that work. if if you were, unless you want to come up with a new human system now. Yeah, but if you were yeah. if you were drinking the red line, from what you're saying is you want large groups of people to wear certain things to be identified. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. I think people have tried that before, Sam, no, 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 and it no, didn't no. work out that well. Okay, <laughs> don't do that. It didn't work out that well. But if you were going to the old red line on a Monday afternoon and you wanted to drink, as JJ has suggested. But you're also taking part in the event. Yeah. How do you? How do you What's seem like you're not a that, blagger? Is that 99 percent of the people who listen to this that don't live in London are losing their minds now because we are, you know, we're dragging They're out this. Aren't we? We're dragging hotels out, yeah. so that they can stay in exactly. London Booking on Monday night. And I would encourage people to stay at the Premier Inn in Angel. That's where I always get people to stay. It's good there as well. It's a nice Hilton. Yeah. In, there's in that Angel. as well. That's a really good Hilton. Anyway, listen. Nova it's going to be fun. Um, and there probably aren't any tickets left by the time you're listening to this, but check anyway. I think there might be a few. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised. Last time it sold out ridiculously quickly. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it'll be fun. So come. The Old Red Lion Theatre, Monday the 21st, and um, you, you have to be in a team of four. There we go. So only people with friends. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Ah, Manchester United uh, 3 to Tottenham Hotspur. Not a great United performance, Seb, but they did uh, defend a bit better than they have done for something. I mean, they scored an own goal. Yes. But, uh, you know. Hey, should we start with that own goal? Because I've got a little bit of a grievance. Sure. That. So I don't think that should count. Sure. So JJ and I were talking about this before we started recording. And Christian. So I'm looking forward to hearing this for the second time. Yeah. So uh, Christian Romero is in an offside position behind Harry Maguire when Sergio Reguilón uh, cuts the ball across the box. And Harry Maguire only has to make the intervention he does because Romero is active in a position behind him. But he's offside. So how is he... How, how, how is he within not impacting the rules, play? How is he not impacting play? That goal cannot count. And we've seen this before. And it's a, it seems like it's against the spirit of the rules because you are taking advantage of a loophole not saying that Christian Romero plots to be in that position, but he is. Uh, you're he taking didn't scheme. For he didn't it. scheme. It's not a strategy. It just sure. happened, but it still shouldn't count. So yeah, grievance over. No, fair but enough. Like my take on it was that as a neutral, I'm glad it it counts because it's more entertaining and funny. But it would be raging if it was my team conceded it. Sure. Yeah. Because it does. 100% impact what mm. Maguire is trying to do. Yeah, because if, if for instance, okay, so um, Man United go and score again, so it's okay, it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But at the same time, if that costs them top four, whatever, then um, 
it just it's it's a messy area of the rules which needs clarifying and uh i'm not um i'm not pro ruling out goals and creating more reasons to do so it's just that it seems silly and weird mm. no fair enough Okay. Well, other things that came from this game. No Bruno Fernandes. It's always been interesting to watch Manchester United JJ over the last couple of years without Bruno Fernandes. They generally seem like a total clusterfuck. But in this situation, they didn't. Paul Pogba played sort of in that advanced midfield 10 role. Uh, uh, I thought he was very good. Ronaldo, of course, had a fantastic uh, game and scored a hat-trick. I believe it was only his second Premier League hat-trick, the first one happening almost 15 years ago. Uh, So that's amusing. But it's 58th or 59th career hat-trick today um so he was a uh, he, he played very well they seemed all right on balance didn't they yeah if anything you might say that having fernandez not there constantly hitting passes that give the ball away mm. uh, and constantly beginning starting presses just to make it look like he's doing something he's doing something well it's the thing so obviously fernandez is a very good player and uh one of the things you might notice about Fernandez if you went looking for it like a nerd is that his passing accuracy is statistic for that percentage is low mm. because not because he's bad at because passing because he he's trying stuff yeah. uh, which is very very valuable and why he's able to create so many chances whatever he makes things happen but in a system like what Rangnick's put in place where they want to be very cohesive and not compact but you want to eliminate those sorts of turnovers mm. if you're trying to constantly go forward and then counter press higher up the pitch which is not exactly what they're doing to be honest but they're they're trying to move it from front to back uh, back to front quicker if you're then giving it away with passes of the likes that fernandez would make then that's not ideal because you're wasting all your energy trying to win the ball back constantly because mm. you're giving it away um yeah but they seemed okay this is the thing like starting to think that maybe, maybe ronaldo's done like maybe his maybe his powers are waning and then he rockets one in with it. Like the technique for that sure. first goal is unbelievable. Yeah, like it's such yeah. it's such a weird technique as well. There's one. There's another weird um, little shot he takes where Loris does really well. It seemed to be underrated. The save it is it's Loris's near post. He dives to his left and pushes it away with one hand. Uh, Ronaldo is looking at the other side of the goal and sort of uses the outside of his right foot. And mm. it's not traditionally like you want to strike through cleanly. So your technique should be you strike through. So. You attach with laces, but he hits it in such a weird way that it could easily catch out. It's almost like a toe poke, but off the laces. Fan of a toe poke right here. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, wasn't it? Because Ronaldo said uh, was out of action for some of midweek. I don't think he trained with the team for half the week. He was just uh, in the gym, apparently, for one day. And uh, <laughs> he came and scored a hat-trick. Is there any value in him, A, missing a game from now and then, and uh, B, just not training? Well, I don't know. I mean, you, you look at the first goal and you think... It's I not guess, a serious suggestion, by the way. No, but sure. But, uh, the first goal, you think, well, Ronaldo scores that goal wherever he is, whoever he's playing for, and mm. whoever his teammates may be, because it doesn't depend on any chemistry. Second goal, um, maybe a little bit more, because it's just a breakaway and a, taking advantage of a Tottenham mistake. The third goal, though, it, it's interesting that he missed so much training time, because that seemed like a perfect routine. The sort of, it's a great ball. Um, uh, Tellers, I think, to the corner. But also the separation that's created. If you look at the if you look at the grouping of Man United players before the the corner is taken, and look at the way they separate themselves and the way that um, Ronaldo is put in probably the perfect position for a header at goal from mm. that area, um, because that's like it, it's almost it, it's amazing how much space he has in that situation. If you think about um, defending a corner and defending a corner against Man United, who is the one player that you try and take away, the mm. one player that you mark, Cristiano Ronaldo. And yet he's the one player that's most free, which is yeah. actually, okay, I'm sure there's probably a defensive mistake in there at some point, Tottenham. Uh, but at the same time, that's just really good design as well. Yeah, okay. I think this as well um, proves 
that Eric Dier, no matter how much he wants to be a centre-back, will just never, I don't think, be good enough to be a top six defender, a centre-back. Like, the amount of space he gives Ronaldo doesn't close him down. I think it was Jamie Cowder or someone described it as not criminal, but something that you just can't, you cannot allow it. Mm. And when you notice it, that he doesn't close down Ronaldo as soon as he's lining up a shot, he sort of watches it. He almost shows him the exact part of the goal where he's going to put it, so that the way Ronaldo bends the ball puts it exactly where he's opened up. And this is the thing, no matter, even though you've got Conte, who is able to turn defenders into really good defenders, mm. there's sometimes something within a player that means they can't take the extra bit, which is sort of indicative of Tottenham, in that they have players who are good, but not of the level that they need to be and where they're at. And you see like Conte walking off the pitch just looking... Yeah. Like, what am I meant to do here? Mm. <laughs> I think that, that Dyer thing is a really good point. I think the problem is that, like, the defensive side of Dyer's game is probably 7 out of 10. But Dyer has to play because of how good he is on the ball. Um, or at least how good he is relative to the other defenders. Uh, it's his character as well, apparently. His character, like, people like team. him. He's a, he's a well-respected member of the dressing room. But he's also, a leader. Well, he's a leader, but also, technically, if you don't have him in that back line... Uh, how are you playing the ball out in anything other than a direct way? Romero mm-hmm. solves that problem a bit because he's a good footballer, um, but he's been injured for most of the season. So you need Dyer as your centre point because he is your, he's going to take the ball off the goalkeeper. He's going to take the ball back inside from the fullbacks to the wingbacks. If you don't have him, you look at a Tottenham team that just give the yeah. ball away hopelessly, hopelessly. You can't initiate play in the same So it's, way, a, sure. it's a double-edged sword. And um, yeah, I, I don't think anybody disputes Dyer's flaws as a defender. They're obviously there. But then... What are you going to do until the transfer window opens? Um, and such a point where Tottenham actually spend some money on on centre backs, I, I guess. Well, speaking of another um, d- d- defensive issue, I, I suppose you could call it Aaron Wan-Bissaka and mm. uh, Dallo. An interesting little kind of uh, battle going on there for that right back space uh, in, in Rangnick's team. Dallo very clearly leading the way at the moment. Kind of uh, seems much more suited, would you say, JJ, to uh, to Rangnick's style of play than Wan-Bissaka? He's more of a winger, and I think. Uh, if you're a team like Man United who should have the majority of possession and should be able to then dictate more what you're doing with it, you really need your fullbacks to be better at attacking. Uh, sure. When you come up against someone like Barcelona, Real Madrid in the Champions League, that's when you need to... Obviously, what you want is a balance of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Liverpool's got it perfect with uh, uh, Robertson. and I think Robertson's probably the exactly example. Alexander-Arnold's an amazing footballer. Robertson's probably the better defender. But it's also amazing going forward as well. When you look at um, United, Alex Tellez is very good going forward. It's one of the things he's good at. It had lots of assists when he was playing at Porto, I think he was at, wasn't it? Juan Basaka was a defensive-minded fullback in a defensive Crystal Palace team. Really good numbers for tackling and blocking people because he just doesn't let anyone past him. Mm. But uh, he has, I think we've covered it in IRL videos, United didn't have a very heavy dependency on the left side of their team to build play. And because Wambasaka is so limited going forward, it means that other players drop out of position to try and supplement him and to be able to get the ball through things. So It also means when Luke Shaw is injured, as he is at the moment, yeah. that the team really struggles to create from those uh, fullback yeah. areas. And Dallow's a winger, and I think Dallow's a quite decent player, and he'll get He's better. as well. Yeah, Isn't it yeah. funny, though, because Wambasaka grew up as a winger, and obviously mm. when, when that happens, you always think they're going to retain a little bit of their attacking instincts. Yeah. I think the days of saying that, that Wambasaka is defensively excellent are kind of over for the time being, because I think his confidence has been so badly damaged. You also have to play to be defensively excellent. Yeah, that that too. And I, I just, I don't think he's, I, if Man United play Barcelona tomorrow or like, you know, um, 1970s Brazil, yeah. I don't think he should go back in the team as a restrictive measure because I just don't think he provides that security at the moment. He may, yeah. he may well do again, because I think maybe fundamentally really good defender, but um, not at the moment. So, well, let me. Let, well, what, I've got a, one more thing before we move on from this. A prediction. For yeah. You both. I'd love to hear what you think about this. We're going to talk about PSG shortly. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the situation there. Uh, you know, 
it seems like they could as easily they could as easily win the Champions League next year as they could have an exodus in the summer, right? Pochettino maybe wants to leave, and I think lots of Manchester United fans are currently discussing the uh, the option between him and Ten Hag and thinking who would be better. Blah 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 blah. I'm wondering, is Pochettino going to leave PSG just as Conte gets absolutely fed up of what's happening at Spurs? And then there's a little come home party for Maurizio. Could it be? Could it be? I wonder if, if Pochettino leaves PSG, I think it happens right at the beginning of the summer. If Conte gets fed up of Daniel Levy, I think it happens at the end of the summer because oh, it happens yeah. after yeah, yeah, six yeah. weeks of, well, we won't get that player, but we've got this this other cheaper guy who looks kind of the same. He's got the same haircut. Sure. So maybe, you know, that kind of stuff at Spurs, that would hack Conte off. Mm. Um, I don't think it aligns. I can see Pochettino managing Tottenham again at some point, mm. but probably not quite so soon. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah. Anyway, I've got a question to ask you, a different question. Mm. Marcus Rashford, people talking about Marcus Rashford now, because uh, he's been out of form for some time, JJ. Uh, he's not looking that good. I mean, he was a fine in the game at the weekend, but it's been a while since he's done something which has, you know, got the crowd up off their seats. Is he any good? Is he? I mean, what's he? He is good, right? But what? How good is he? It's. Re- I think it's really hard to tell with Rashford. Remember when he broke through and he was like a, a pacey kind of poacher off I'm the bench against first Arsenal, week, wasn't his it? His yeah. first week, he scored mm. in Europe and then he scored a couple against Arsenal or Trafford. He had an amazing start to mm. his career. But then obviously, like, to be a lone centre forward in the Premier League or Champions League, you have to be amazing. Like you have to be so good, and. I don't think he's built like a winger and so he can play on the right or left. I think he tends to be better on the right when I've seen him, but he suits playing on the left more because he can come inside onto a stronger right yeah. foot. I don't remember him having that good a game on the right. I, I think I have. Maybe I'm just sure. it's in my head. Uh, but thing, I would say he if he's on FIFA, probably the highest rating he'd ever get would be like an 85 when he's on form, mm. I would think, yeah. maybe. Yeah. I don't know what his actual thing was. Yeah, you always felt like he was going to kick on from what he started as, and he seems to be a player that sort of hasn't really done that. I feel like it's messy. So, um, because Rashford comes through at a time where it's pretty difficult for United, Van Gaal is the manager, there's a lot of disaffection. All of a sudden, you get this teenage local boy who's playing really well, he's living a bit of a fairy tale. Super easy to get seduced by that as a story. And so, I almost feel like, yes, his opening week and his kind of breakout <clears throat> months were fundamental to him establishing himself at Man United. I think over time they've become a curse because mm. they created this expectation of this hybrid winger goal scorer who can do everything. I think Marcus Rashford is a, he's, he's just a very good player. Sure. He's just not an outstanding one and he's not an excellent one. Yeah. And he is fine for Man United. If Man United are going to finish fifth or fourth, that's fine. But obviously that's not their objective. You need to be aiming a little bit higher. And he, also, he's the sort of standard of squad player that they'd need, yeah. but even in the in Alex Ferguson days, who is uh, would be a high level player for any other club, yeah. but they should still have someone with the extra X factor that you want to be able to win things comfortably. Like yeah, absolutely, like and it comes down to whether he wants that as a role, what he wants from his career. Does he want to uh, obviously grow up a United fan, grow up in the area, local boy? Um, you know, fair enough. If he wants to stay his it is at Man United for the rest of his career and fill that sort of what we'll loosely call the Lingard role, I yeah. guess then um, good for him. But then if you want to be the centre... Do you think he's in Lingard role territory? Not in the in the way that I, it, that's, that comes he's across. He's not that peripheral. No, not yet, but you could see and it he's also And he's way. not in the scenario where, you, you know, I think with Lingard... I think Lingard's was, a very good player. I agree, but it was yeah. sooner that fans, either the perception changed or they, or they realised that whatever's true, that he wasn't going to turn into, yeah. you know, what they hoped. I don't think we're there with Rashford yet. No, I don't think, I, I, I don't think so either. I just think I, in terms of being peripheral... I think if Man United were constructing uh, 
if you look to Man United's transfer plans, for instance, I don't think anybody there is thinking, well, Marcus Rashford can, should, can play this position, so we won't invest anything there. I think that's sure. probably the difference. I think you would build on top of him a little well, bit. Well, th- that Jaden Sancho has been playing off the left is, is exactly you know, kind, it's of kind, of, kind of instructive. Of here's, that. here's the thing as well. Um, I think one of the downsides of it is well, one of the downsides. Obviously, Marcus Rashford has has uh, become very well known for another reason other than football in the last year or two, and this was always going to happen, right? Not the drop off in form, but the reaction and the kind of backlash to some of that as a result of the drop off in form. I think it's just a good sort of example of why it's difficult for football players to have an opinion about anything or speak out about anything because whether or not it's related to football and in this case the sorts of things that Marcus Rashford would talk publicly about are not related to football it's still like people uh, whether people agree with it or not how people react to it is still linked to how you're performing and so I think it was always inevitable that when Marcus Rashford hit a rough vein of form and this one's been lasting for a while the typical kind of well the stereotypical expected sorts of responses to it are maybe you should spend more time on the training field and less time like tweeting about human rights issues <laughs> that was always going to happen and i just want to make that point because i'm sure everyone is aware of it uh, we're definitely aware God, of it. they're that. not linked but it's it's very annoying that, that happens but it is inevitable it's... when a footballer steps outside of their box that people want them to to live in I, I, um, I think I feel, I feel sad for him. Yeah, uh, for that for that reason, because that's you know, uh, there's there's no evidence at all to suggest that that is related to it. It's entirely disingenuous. Like the idea that uh, a footballer can't be more than a footballer, a human being. You got this kind of bright young guy who has a view on how the world should be and you know how it can be made better, and is largely celebrated for that. And can be any, well, not only that, but he's one of the few people of his age in his position who has the tools, the platform, the audience, whatever. The courage, to actually, the courage for sure, the courage uh, to actually affect some kind of change. And yet, you get this kind of army of pricks, you mm-hmm. know, who are going to twerk. Uh, you know, twerk. Ah. Well, it's like it is, I find it amusing because <laughs> it's a bit like uh, uh, the the kind of the the uh, equivalence that some people draw. Is as to suggest that if Ra- if Marcus Rashford can't score a goal every weekend, then children should go hungry, <laughs> because yeah. that can't both can't be true. Well, because right? there's not enough space in the human brain to to be good at football, but also to think that child poverty is bad. Yeah. How could anybody have enough, you know, intellectual capacity to consider those two things at the same exactly. time? Exactly, it's nonsense. No. Nonsense. I, I would say in Rashford, so that he's just having a bad season. So mm. I thought be... you were going to say, <laughs> "Well, I should probably focus on football." Certainly, children. Um, bad season, season and a half, maybe two. Yeah, well, I mean, last season. I mean, you look at his numbers last season: eleven goals and nine assists mm-hmm. in the league last season. So that's decent. And mm-hmm. the year before that, was it a couple of years before? He was seventeen goals and seven. Sure. So he is a good level of player. Yes, uh, but. I maintain that I think he misses something that would make him outstanding enough to be yeah. part of the Man United team you want. I'd noticed when he plays for England, he seems to be really, really good. Sure. And I think maybe Southgate's got a lot more England as well. Yeah, when he comes on, he's very direct and asked to do lots of... He can pull mm-hmm. off all these tricks, mm-hmm. which he hasn't been really, really been doing recently. Mm-hmm. But he's also struggling in a Man United team which is struggling to adapt. Yep, they sure. don't even know what they are. So I think once that's all settled down, you probably get far more out of him. Do Let's you reckon that um, a little bit of that is because when he plays for England, you'll see like, he benefits quite a lot from playing with Harry Kane. Like, you have that kind of creative nine, ten centre forward. Yeah, maybe, yeah. You can use who can be a target man and can use his pace a little bit. Would you take him um, at Spurs? Yeah, he's definitely good enough to play for Spurs. But then that's not the same as being good enough to play for Man United. Like oh, Spurs are sure. going to be a yeah. Rashford, Kane, Son would be a great three. That'd, That'd be, be very good, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You, he could play like you. You could put Marcus Rashford at Arsenal, West Ham, Spurs. 
Like, and, he, and he'll be a, a maybe not a 38-game starter, but probably 30 games. He'll be a, an essential part of his mm. team. So, yeah. Well, there we go. Um, let's go for a break now. And after the break, we'll be back to discuss Everton, PSG, Arsenal, and the Champions League, all in 13 minutes. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Everton. Yes. Everton. Uh, nil. One Wolves. Um, Everton, JJ, now only out of the relegation zone on goal difference. Things are getting real. And it's kind of funny. <laughs> not if you're an Everton fan. No, not if you're an Everton fan. Not if you're an Everton fan. Or if you're Frank Lampard. But just, is... I, I say it's funny for me because, um, because about you know eight weeks ago, when people were saying, "Oh, Everton really could get relegated," I just couldn't see it at all because of my understanding and perception of what Everton is as a football club. It doesn't matter if they're terrible; they've got good players. They're a massive club. I cannot imagine it. And yet here we are, only out of the relegation zone and goal difference, with arguably the worst form in the league. So Everton uh, spent, uh, where the artists now, and they spent what well, what could be up to forty million on Deli Ali, a player who they do not need. Doesn't look like it will be, but yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't even get in the team. They got Van de Beek doing all right with the Korean midfield. Uh-huh. Their defence is not good. Michael Keane aside. Well, I mean. It, no, John Joe Kenny was not was not good at all when he was at Celtic. I saw him play there. I mean, that's weird though, because Shane Duffy was garbage at Celtic, but he was doing quite well for Brighton. Regardless, um, the defence is not good. The first thing that Lampard, you think, would want to do is try and solidify them and make them more compact so mm. they're not shipping so many goals. I mean, they only conceded one to Wolves here, who only tend to score a maximum of one goal per game anyway. They did only need one to win. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. a set piece, right? I mean, whatever. Richarlison and Calvert-Loon are very good players. Yes. Some would say excellent players. Yeah, and yes. they, they have some... It's just weird, isn't it? Alan's a good player. Is he playing? Is he injured? What's happening with Alan? He played it so... I didn't watch this game. I watched um, everything against Spurs. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it's the worst performance I've seen against Tottenham all season. Three really? down at half time. It could have been six. Sure, it was that game, right? Like I, I also the thing about the defense is like they're two schools of thought. People say, oh, it's a championship defense. Like it's not. It's just playing like one. I mean, Mason Holgate yeah. and, and Michael Keane, Keane are not bad players. That's it. England goalkeeper. They're I know. Not, that, I mean, they're I know not, they're not, right. I'm not saying they're amazing. I'm not saying they're top picks. Yeah, they're not, they're not right. Right. But yeah, but they're not. I, I they're agree. Not relegation but they're not where they where they are at the moment. Also, yes, Yerry Mina's out injured, and that makes a difference. Um, they lost Luca Dina in the middle of the season. Seamus Coleman is getting older. Was a very very good player at one point. Um, Nathan Patterson hasn't kind of adapted yet. Fair enough, because he's a, a young player. But at the same time, this is coaching failure. The, some of these players could be upgraded. 
but this is not a team that should be 17th and it should not have that goal difference. And it's this, this team, sorry, can I just say, this team with virtually the same players, uh, minus Hamas Rodriguez, yeah. was the team that was top of the league at Christmas last season. It's They're funny a how good it happens, isn't team. It? And this is the, the thing as well, it reminds me of actually... I think top of the league. <laughs> I don't think it was at Christmas. It was not at Christmas. It was, it was, it was in Early autumn. in the season. And they had I've a really good sort of there. four or five games when they yeah. played brilliantly. But the, the point stand, the sentiment Regardless, there. it's funny They how, won the league. It's interesting how teams like this just suddenly get in a whole bunch of bad form and yeah. can't get wins out anywhere yeah. it doesn't matter what they're doing on the training ground they'll be asked to keep their heads up asked to work really hard something just happens it reminds me I think of um, Hearts relegated from the Scottish Premiership mm-hmm. with a team that was decent and they should they should have been finishing roundabout. I mean, they just got promoted. I think I might get my years wrong here, but I think they were relegated because uh, the season ended early. Sure. And it was points per game reasons he went down. The building doesn't like what you're saying. No, it doesn't. But the uh, th- that was a team that should should have been probably top half, if not just quite comfortable in the middle, which mm. is exactly where Everton should probably be. But as the confidence has dropped and teams just sense they could get a result out of them, teams maybe raise their game a little bit because mm. they feel they can get something out of them. And then it doesn't matter what you do with your your tactics, whatever. And this happens in like football manager of the game. You just, it doesn't matter what you do, you just keep losing. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the players, the morale drops, confidence drops. And uh, what's actually happening just now with Aberdeen in the Premiership this year, like mm. they could very well fall into a relegation battle now. It didn't seem like it, I was laughing at the thought of it not a few weeks ago but now very much it could actually happen <laughs> and it's very very stressful yeah uh, i want this, to hear more about this well they changed managers at aberdeen stephen glass went team goodman's come in still can't get a win same squad quite a good squad but not as well balanced as you actually wanted to be and mm. benitez's squad at everton they didn't spend any money in the summer they went very cheap tried to add players like damari gray's decent and I mean, Andros Townsend's coming. And you're Both sending, missing at the moment as well. Worth yeah, saying. but there's a the thing. It doesn't really matter. Like, I, I think they're a middle, lower middle table team. I think Everton. Sort of I there. think they're a comfortable so middle are, table and potentially upper yeah, middle table. Should be, team. should be middle table. Yeah. If you have all of those players fit and you look at what's in the midfield, so Decore, Allen, uh, Andre Gomez, they finish eighth. A, that is a, a lot of injuries. They're missing Calvert Lewin most do, of the season's big. They like. do Calvert Lewin, but then you, you're able to um, uh, compensate for the loss of a Calvert Lewin with someone like Richardson, who is not a centre but can play there. Yeah. Um, that defence... Solomon uh, Rondon. You've got... Yeah, uh, Everton fans hate him. Yeah, no, he's not absolutely hate him. I mean, I, I think Rondon's probably beyond his best and we should probably stop mentioning him in sensible transfer videos. Um, <laughs> never. But never, never again. Never again. Um, no, no, never stop. Okay, all right. We've been mentioning him in eight years' time okay, as an right. option for Always, West Brom you know, when they're going down Emergency centre-half. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, like, if you look at things like... Okay, so that, that Tottenham performance... You have that group of defenders, and yes, you've got injuries, but you have that group of defenders, and you say, what you want to do with uh, Harry Kane and Son Heung-min is you want to push really high up the pitch and give loads of space between your back mm. your, your, your your back line and your goalkeeper. Because they because haven't recently nothing... shown how they uh, exploit I mean, the son, exactly son, that. Son, just, just do your worst. Just do your worst. I mean, you just, you just, watched, um, um, just watched uh, Tottenham tear apart Manchester City. Who played against them in that? In with that a high way, line, right? conceded a goal with a high line. Also, even if you hadn't watched a single Tottenham game all season, you know that that's what Son likes to do. Sure. And you know that that combination between Kane and Son is based on that little dynamic in part. Yeah. And so you say as a coach, yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that away from home. Yeah. And you think, okay, on the one hand, I've got some sympathy because you've got absentees and there are some issues with confidence. But at the same time, give your team a chance to win or take a point. At least, sure. at least build into the game rather than going straight out and say, "Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna enforce our style of play on this opponent, even though we haven't got the players to do it." That's just that's madness. Sure, sure, absolute madness. Well, plenty, plenty more to come from Everton for the rest of the season, of course. In fact, the same amount to come from all the other teams because 
there's an equal number of games left, I imagine. Well, not technically true, of course, because no. lots of games in hand, which we, we did that a good video true. about that. So Arsenal, well, Arsenal have three games in hand on, on Man United, United or something. That's a big, so. like, yeah, for fourth yeah, place. Yeah. I think they have three over United, Spurs, and there might be two over, over West Ham. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Let's do more speculative maths. Yes. After we've talked about PSG yes. and the fallout at PSG. Everyone other than Mbappe was booed at the Parc des Princes on a Sunday, including Pochettino, including Messi. Uh, Leonardo seems like perhaps he's on the way out as sporting director. I mean, as we said before, it could be uh, an exodus in the summer. They could as easily win the Champions League. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but the fallout when they do leave the Champions League is always a big deal, isn't it, JJ? Uh, because it's really the only thing they have to compete for in the season, despite the fact, of but course, still, that I mean, they did lose Lille last season. And Monaco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think they're 11 points clear or something. In, in yeah, the, I mean, you uh, should so. just stroll to the league. But you imagine if they did chop Pochettino before the end of the season because they're mm. fed up with that, uh, what would be deemed a failure in the Champions League, then he would end up having won not a sausage. Well, he won like the French sure. Cup or something. Like that. Yeah. Well, I guess also that would depend on the situation with the players, wouldn't it? You can imagine a scenario where the players are unhappy with the, with the environment and Pochettino, uh, which I don't think is the case. No, they seem to like, they seem to like him. Yeah, but yeah. hypothetically, if it was... It's the sort of thing the club would do in order to try to please the players well, to get them to stay. I mean, I wonder if they do, because there was some some of the reporting, which um, some of it's on The Athletic too, has talked about how during the um, during the preparations for the second leg against Real Madrid, uh, some of the players were complaining about having to do so many sprints. Mm. We thought, yes, that's interesting, especially with the knowledge that Real Madrid basically pressed PSG out of that game sure. um, after about an hour. Yeah. Hey, also... A Put little it this way, though. You complained to me when I asked you to write that script about Wigan. Yes, yes, I did. I... But do you not like me? Do you want me to leave? Do you want to leave? No, but I feel there like... There you go. So complaining doesn't actually equal wanting to leave. But then I suppose if, you, if, we, if we encountered this situation every week, mm. like if you tried to make me write that Wigan script all the time what the same one again and again and again yeah <laughs> or the same or if we had the same argument about it imagine as we did. how good it would be if you wrote it every week for a year though it would be the best script anyone's ever written about Wigan. i mean there would be few excuses for it not being so yeah, yeah. i've pretty probably, probably still some poor then. punctuation in the final version as well probably you'd have um, to, but uh, yeah. jj i mean uh, what's uh, you know say something <laughs> oh, psg <laughs> uh, messi neymar neymar by the way, I mean, yeah. have we talked about the Champions League thing yet? When they went well, out? no, we haven't. Because it was after we did the last It was podcast. after. But Neymar, it, every single time they play in that Champions League game where they get done, he's constantly giving the ball away, getting tackled too easily, then moaning about it. It's funny, though, because he was, he, was, he was really good in the first leg when he came on as a substitute. Yeah, and then but then you can just sort of... I don't know, you can see that he's... You know those players that expect to get fouls because they mm. expect, oh, I've, I've decided I'm being fouled there, Reputation so I should get foul. a free kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not. Like, get on with it. I mean, <laughs> to a certain extent, you can agree that Donnarumma was fouled, but you're like... Sure. Well, he's funny. only in that position because like he's being it's it's cockiness that like it's complacency you shouldn't you're you have a 2-0 lead in the champions league you think we've won this game that only happens because he invites a tackle maybe it's a foul maybe it's not for me it's a, it's a shoulder to shoulder it's fine get on with it but it's like th that moment felt so descriptive of of what I think PSG are. Yeah. It's just a kind of... They just oh, I agree. Didn't they? They, they imploded. Yeah, but it's that sort of thing. It's that weak um, mentality and then they, they just fall apart. Weak brain. Well, weak. Compare, compare that to um, Benzema's performance. Yeah. It's like one of the best Benzema sort of half an hour I've ever seen. Yeah. He's like, yeah, obviously hugely Modric skillful player. Modric was phenomenal. Modric game. was brilliant, but like Benzema was a force of nature in that game. Yeah. So a 35-year-old Luka Modric is outworking you sure. and Modric's a wonderful player, but 
you shouldn't be in that situation. You mm. shouldn't um, you shouldn't be befuddled just by the the faintest bit of um, adversity. One Can I say like the most interesting thing for me about the end of that game was the last few seconds. You could see Benzema in in the wide angle shot. Uh, and he was kind of looking around, asking the referee if the game was going to finish. The ball was being sort of kicked back and forward. We were reaching, you know, seconds before the end. It was a very interesting moment to watch him because it was clear that he was desperate for it to finish. He, he, like the narrative was already sewn up. He was he was a player that was imagining what was going to be said in his mind before it was, was going to be said, said in the keep the next day. What was going to be said yeah. in the keep? Yeah, the, the excellent rating I'm sure that he was going to get. Probably gave him a fucking seven. <laughs> Probably <or> something. six. <laughs> yeah. uh, but. Um, <laughs> Then he, you know, he falls to his knees as soon as uh, the the whistle. Oh, it's just a very nice thing to see. It was, you know, like it was. It clearly meant a lot to him. And I think also the significance was it. Rory Smith. Someone tweeted something amusing after the game, saying like, "Well, we were told that you know a French national uh, uh, team player and uh, some other funny wit witticism witticism was going to be the <laughs> witticism." I yeah. can't remember what he yeah, said. Yeah. It was good though. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. It was good. Sounds like I wish I'd read that. Yeah. Well, PSG. There we go. I'm sure we'll talk about them more another time um but we have only got zero minutes to talk about arsenal um which is kind of funny isn't it i think we should do a little bit on arsenal if we go over just because they were very good yesterday sure on sunday sorry go ahead tuesday arsenal two nil leicester very good arsenal performance much improved from watford seb yeah so we talked about the watford game and and obviously uh, that was a bit bitty from arsenal's perspective because they had moments when they're great and then also weird vulnerabilities to yeah. watford um but this is much, much better. I thought Martinelli was brilliant. I know Odegaard was man of the match, but um, Martinelli is the one, um, as a Spurs fan, who who scares me a little bit. Mm. He's the player that I don't want Arsenal to have because he looks a bit good. It's that. Right. Um, but if, also, Lacazette's role continues to interest me because as if someone said, right, you, you no longer really have to worry about goal scoring. Mm. Um, I know he scored the penalty, but he's playing this sort of offset role, which is very deferential and seemingly built in a way which suits all the other players around him except for him yeah um so you see the way he moves into space and the way he drags center backs up the pitch and towards him um and the way that kind of creates a little bit of space behind and to the sides it's very interesting i like um, it he's it's like he's bringing up the boys it's yeah. like he's a mature yeah. student staying in a shared he's the older house brother. with like some, the older young, some normal students. And, yeah. But he doesn't just tell them things. He knows how to get them. Yeah. So, for example, he'll play FIFA all night with them. And then, uh, you know, when it's three in the morning and they've got lectures in the morning, all he's got to do is go, oh, I should know better. I wish I'd gone to sleep earlier. You know, it'll feel, uh, but it'll sink in. The message will sink in without him uh, telling them, you know, leading by example, that kind of thing. Yeah. He's the guy. He doesn't just eat pot noodle. He knows how to make a he casserole. He makes bolognese. Yeah, he's yeah. the grown up. Well, also, by the way, worth saying because um, I thought Arsenal's ball movement was really good too. I mm. thought the way that we've talked in the past about um, JD did um, a video probably about a year ago about um, the donut. Never let him forget of, uh, of Arsenal's attacking structure. Yeah, and it was a big problem. Ball movement was slow. It was kind of ponderous. It didn't seem to lead to anything. Now the opposite's true. It's decisive and accurate and quick. And it looks a little bit like it. It's it's a sort of um, you get a familiar sense watching Arsenal. This is kind of the aesthetic that has, was lost for a long time, but is starting to come back. Not to say it's fully back. You can start to see the tenants of something. I'm not sure what it is yet. Sure. But something. They um they were very, very good. Leicester, um, what a mess. What a mess they are. But um yeah. Well, a season of mess for Leicester. Yeah, but, uh, again next year, yeah. I guess. They're still in the European uh, still in the Europa League, so and they still sure. have a good chance of winning that. So sure. um, um maybe Well, before we yeah. finish, uh, speaking of Europe, 
Tuesday and Wednesday Champions League days. Um, Ajax Benfica play on uh, on Tuesday. Aggregate two two there. A fun game for those uh, to enjoy who won't be watching uh, Manchester United Atletico Madrid. The aggregate one one. So all to play for. Uh, with no away goals rule anymore on Tuesday. A little different on uh, Wednesday. All to play for still in Juventus. Villarreal, aggregate 1-1. But uh, Lille-Chelsea, Chelsea leading that tie two goals to nil. Um, we were saying just before the podcast started, uh, you can sort of see Chelsea uh, winning the Champions League now, can't you, through some sort of uh, you know unity uh, in, uh, in resolve against the uh, current scenario and then disappearing from the face of the earth. I mean, it's not a million miles different to the first time they won the European Cup under Di Matteo when the season kind of imploded halfway through, but sure. then they res- rescued it in the in the Champions League. Mm. Um, they're still a very good side. I, it's one of the reasons why I kind of have a little bit of difficulty with the, isn't it difficult for them story? Well, it is. There's uncertainty, but I think a lot of those players will be insulated from it. All their wages are guaranteed. Mm. Uh, also, that is a phenomenally... driven to Lille. Well, yeah, we, we, this is what we said at the beginning. We're not sure about the license and some of the, sure. um, the restrictions on spending yeah. around travel, but that is still a very, very gifted football team and yeah. full of depth and attacking talent. And so it's not an underdog story no. just because um, Roman Abramovich has been disqualified. Sure, um, sure. Well, there we go. That's the end of this now. Um, we'll be back next week with more of the same. But for now, uh, JJ Bull the Bullet, thank you. Thank you. And uh, Seb Stafford Bloor, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Joe Devine. Where can people buy tickets for our event? Well, as I already said... I know, but at the end, you'd probably stress it again. Just well, no one's really listening now, you know. I mean, You don't know what we do here, but that's do you? reward. You've got you no idea like, how uh, any of this works. Not really, I just turn up and I... It sounds like a monkey we just bring along and sit <laughs> yeah, in front of something. You can talk, talk about that, look at the Google Doc, and then go away after. you don't understand. <laughs> Stop trying to have an influence on stuff. out, the tickets will already... It's possible. Well, I was going to say maybe we could all agree to not tweet about it until the podcast is released tomorrow so okay. that it's the Twitter idea. people don't storm on the podcast listeners. So Twitter people are a bit more hostile than podcast I, I, people? Yeah, I prefer the podcast people to the Twitter people. Yeah, yeah, what do you yeah. think? I like all of them. You I like all of them? I, th- I thank no, everyone I, for their... Uh, I, like very I don't like people. all of them. No, no. no, yeah, I like some of them, a small number. Yeah. Most of them I hold in complete contempt. Absolutely. Contempt. Everyone I've spoken to seems nice. Well, hatred, hatred. Yeah. Yeah. Dark uh, uh, but yeah, do visit the Old Red Lion Theatre website where I'm sure uh, there's a link in the description. I can't remember. Do they have a website? They do have a website. Yeah, oh, nice. I I, uh, I used to uh, I used to update it. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah, I used to run the Old Red Lion Twitter account too. Not the theatre one because I wasn't that important, but the pub one. Ah. The pub one. Were you being groomed to run? the, the theatre one eventually uh, so. if grooming myself yeah. no no I'm not a theatre man you yeah. know I'm not a I'm not yeah, a, um, a little bit I'm of a theatre man theatrical man sure I mean but I'm not a theatre man Friedel and me <laughs> <laughs> you heard about Friedel and me before no I'll tell you about Friedel and me later it's good oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's a little gift for, for long term listeners yeah, yeah people <laughs> might remember Friedel and me yeah. anyway <laughs> Uh, it's the end now. Sol, thank you. Producer Sol and uh, producer Adonis and or the freelancer that The Athletic have chained up to edit our podcast. I don't know which one it is, but if it's not Adonis, it'll be that person. Thanks to you also. Um, we will be back next week. And until then, goodbye. Athletic.